Why do you want to learn a new language? Where would you use it and how would it come in handy? This is what I'm asking myself every single day. Even if I'm not planning on going on a trip where I need to use a new language, I'm just like, my brain needs to stay alive. My brain needs to stay active. And there's only so many crossword puzzles I can do in one week. And that's why exactly. I just feel like putting my mind to the test would just be using Rosetta Stone to improve my language skills. And I'm always like idealizing Oh, I want to learn Francais. So when I go to Francais, I can speak French <laughs> with the person in You go to Quebec. <laughs> but really, I'm speaking I'm speaking on a like dream level, which is also great. Use Rosetta Stone to learn the language of a place you're dreaming of visiting. But also practically, it makes more sense for me to learn Spanish. And if I'm gonna learn Spanish, I'm gonna do it on Rosetta Stone. That's amazing. They've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, and they have 25 languages offered. You have fast language acquisition because they immerse you in the language. There aren't English translations, so you really learn to speak. You listen. You think in the language of Rosetta Stone, and it has an intuitive process, so you pick up the language naturally. First words, then phrases, then sentences, which means it's designed for long-term retention. And the app has a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like <laughs> having a personal trainer for your accent. It's very helpful, okay? That was good. That was good. Thank it's, you. It's convenient. There's an amazing value. You can get a lifetime membership and just have every single language, all 25 languages you can have for your lifetime, and you can just work through them as long as you're alive. That's kind of an iconic mm -hmm. goal to have. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Who Weekly listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash who. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash who today. You will say Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And do you remember this iconic noise? Do you remember what that noise is? Oh, I do. I put it in the last episode. It's Marie Osmond falling down at her one of her Vegas shows right before she started hosting The Talk. Which she just left. After one year. She quit this morning. This morning she quit or early, late last night she quit. Did it say why? Did she give a reason why? She said. <laughs> Do, the noise of that fall has to be, it's, it can't be real. Of course. Fake a sound effects. It's like some guy in a studio with like shoes on his hands, like making a noise. It's the guy in the Foley studio trying to make a fake falling noise, but he accidentally falls <laughs> and just like tumbles too loudly. And then he gets, he gets it and he's like. Cut that. Perfect. That's <laughs> exactly what I wanted. Okay, this is the CBS statement yeah. per deadline. Yeah. Marie is a consummate professional, and we thank her for sharing That's her personal true. experiences. <laughs> That's true. That's true. She is. She is a consummate professional, and we thank her for sharing her personal experiences, insight, as well as incredible talents with our audience. We will miss her humor, kindness, and good nature, and wish her much success okay, in her future endeavors. Why? Did she say why? Is it like, I want to spend more time with my family? I hate Sharon Osbourne. Like, what's the reason? It's like, I should, I could not give a shit about these shows until somebody leaves. Like, I just don't care. And then somebody leaves and I'm like, what's the tea? I must know. <laughs> she recently wrote about having an empty nest finally. Like, she said she just dropped her last two kids off at college. 
so maybe it's like oh we get to we get to have some alone time for the first time who knows okay. the point is well bye, Marie. in my tribute to Marie Osmond's time on the talk never forget the first episode where she was revealed alongside Sharon Osbourne's new face it was like the new fit like the new face and Sharon's new face <laughs> I think there's a clip for that somewhere too <laughs> and speaking of um, uh, new things Sharon <laughs> Sharon you look very refreshed yes. Yes. Five weeks today that mm -hmm. I had my operation. What's also funny is like Marie Osmond looks like she's 25 years old. So like <laughs> we're not like talking about like this like random fresh faced face at the table. It's like the table is aware. The, <laughs> the show table is called knows. The talk. What, are they, what else are they supposed to talk about? <laughs> you know? I know. I was looking at clips of Marie Osmond because I was trying to find the, the tumble. The mm -hmm. Marie Osmond takes a tumble clip. I didn't clip hear the noise on the episode. There was a great... Oh, I put it there. It was. It's brutal. You can't forget it once you hear it. It echoes in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a clip of them doing like dream boards that had been clearly... Or vision boards. Sorry. Vision boards that had been clearly made by interns. Like they mm -hmm. were clearly like not made by the women. I mean, I don't know why I would think they would be, but they were clearly made by... And one of Marie's was like skydiving. <laughs> she was like, I'm near death, so I might as well just fucking skydive. Okay. I wonder who they'll replace her with. I feel like the talk skews a little older as well. It definitely does. So it's definitely we'll the see. most random one. And there's only like a few. <laughs> like the chew isn't even really on anymore. And it's like, so the talk is pretty random. You are listening to Who's There, a weekly call in show where we take your questions, comments, and concerns at 619 Who Them. We're going to start with some comments. Okay, so a lot of you called in about movies you watched in high school, even though we didn't solicit these. I, I, even I though we to didn't solicit, as if no, we I have to it. solicit. It was, <laughs> it was, there were so many, and I listened to them, and they were funny little personal stories. So I personally got a lot of enjoyment out of them. Thank you for calling. But there were a handful that made me laugh out loud that I want to play. Okay. And, um, I want to Selena one, I'm going to cut the Selena one. It didn't actually make me laugh. A lot of people called about, they were like, Bobby, you're from Texas. Didn't you watch Selena a lot? Yes, I did. But these three killed me. Here's, here's one, two, three. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. You guys are talking about um, movies you watched in school. Um, this memory came back to me. My junior year, our organic chemistry teacher, who was like the tiniest, sweetest little like suburban mom woman. This was an organic chemistry. We watched Fight Club. <laughs> and she, because I think there's like some side plot where they're like making soap. And I guess she thought that was connected enough to organic chemistry. She basically was like, don't snitch on me. We're going to watch Fight Club. And like, I'm pretty sure it's rated R. But yeah, so we watched Fight Club and organic chemistry. Uh, me inside, indoors, me indoors. That's a cool ass teacher. That's a cool teacher. And then there's this. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. I just had to pause the podcast when you guys were talking about movies that you watched in school um, because it brought up such an intense memory for me that I locked away for a very long time. Um, I went to Catholic school from kindergarten through eighth grade. And in seventh grade, we were going on this field trip to an ice rink. And we were on one of these, like, really nice coach buses that had TVs and stuff. And my teacher decided it would be a really good idea to play um, <laughs> The Exorcism of Emily Rose for seventh graders. And she framed it as a documentary because we were in Catholic school. It was one of the worst times 
of my life, horrible trip. I ended up throwing up actually, but it was that it was not because of the movie, it was because of something else. But um yeah. The Exorcism of Emily Rose as a documentary in a Catholic school. Thanks for bringing that one up for me. And then the caller says they threw up, but because of something else. And I was like, did you get exercised? <laughs> like, what? That teacher, like, knew what she was doing. Like, she wanted you to quit Catholicism. She was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> she either wanted you to quit it or decide you were all in for the rest of your life. Like, <laughs> you, she wanted you to have an extreme the, reaction. I actually haven't seen it. I've just seen the trailer. It looks scary. It, the Exorcism of Emily Rose is actually, like, a very unpleasant spooky spooky movie is it supposed to look like a documentary too no but the thing about it is it's like based on a true story and there's like a yeah. court case and stuff and so so, it, so you could think it was a true story i'm pretty sure laura linney is in it so it's like i don't know this kid <laughs> <laughs> okay not like, everyone knows laura that laura linney. linney well not everyone knows at age seventh grade that laura linney's an actress <laughs> to like separate truth from fiction She's so you good. i know you she would. falls into the character she falls into her roles Bobby screams from the back of the bus. That's Laura Linney. This isn't a documentary. <laughs> no, if I were watching that in seventh grade, I mean, that came out when I was like almost 20 years old. But um, okay, true. If, if I were watching that when I was in seventh grade, I would fully be with the one vomiting. Um, okay. Then this last one, short call. I, I cannot believe this teacher. Like, God bless every teacher in the country for coming up with justifications like this. We love teachers. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. This is the exact kind of call that you don't want, but because uh, it's fully comment based. But um, my best school movie watching experience was in high school. I took a personal finance class, and we watched Catch Me If You Can because the teacher said that it was about writing checks. So there's that. Crunch, crunch. <laughs> well. It's not not about writing checks. I know. Where's the lie, really? It does do like a like a um like a who are the guys who make the movie where they explain the the financial no oh, god crash? Adam McKay the Big Short. It does do a Big Short thing of explaining how he forges, but it's not interesting how he forges. He forges like using a check making machine. Well, he it's forges, not like he forges in a way you could only forge in like the fifties. Like you can't right, forge like you, because he like, like oh he like bought a piece of technology that right. like was hard to come by. Oh, he like wiped <laughs> off ink. Okay, right, right. It's not like actually about. Like the Big Short actually is a movie that you could show in school because it does explain some things, even though. It's weird. Like this one is not quite explaining how to write a check, which actually God. I really could have learned the information on how to write a check in high school. Just so I knew because I didn't know when it came time to have to write a check. That would be my Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> blurb on the big short. It would just say it's a movie you could show in school because it does explain some things. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big short. Uh, the big short. It would be funny to have, like, if your friend was a teacher and they came to you and they were like, I got to show a movie. Here's what we're, the subject is. And for you to find the most, the, a movie that touches upon it but isn't really about it at all. Like, that'd be a fun. Um, a exercise? Fun, yeah. Yeah. A fun brain exercise. Like, chemistry. What would you show? October Sky. <laughs> October Sky. You just desperate to show October. Movies about political turmoil. Dave. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually show Dave. I think that's a sick movie. 
me teaching kids over Zoom during the Trump administration and a coronavirus pandemic. We're watching Dave. <laughs> if you keep focused on the far right quadrant of the screen, you'll be able to watch Dave, the 1995 political comedy, <laughs> the Capra-esque political comedy starring Kevin Klein and uh, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. I would play Dave and the American president at the same time with captions and you you would could choose what you want to pay attention to. Oh, and I'd play the first daughter as well. No, I think it's hard. Those are easy ones because there's always movies about yeah, there's presidents. There's always politics. Yeah. What about like your art class? If you were like a particularly lazy art teacher. Oh, like some biopic of like a painter. Which one? Just choose yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the Danish like girl. Pollock, Pollock, Frida, the Danish girl, Basquiat. Oh, Frida's a good one. Frida's Frida a, probably Oh, it's too Frida. sexy. It's too sexy. Well, the thing about most art biopics is that they're too sexy. There's like, right. they're sexy. Right. Okay. But that's what, but I, that would be the real fun. That'd be Frida's the real catch of it sexy. all. <laughs> it is. Standing up there with the poster board. Oh, someone else called in and said they also watched the Franco Zeffirelli, Romeo and Juliet, and that the teacher oh. forgot to cover up the screen whenever the person got naked, and it was like extremely It's also scandalous. funny. I forgot that that Romeo and Juliet, though, like, yes, they get naked, but the whole time his tights are so tight. It is basically pornographic. Like, <laughs> it's like watching a ballet documentary. Mm-hmm. Like, the tights are tight, you know? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry to get everyone all excited. Okay, let's move on. We're yeah, let's move on. Okay, this call's great. This call's great. Hi, Who Weekly. Long time, long time. I was just listening to Friday's episode uh, where you were talking about Alden Ehrenreich. And uh, one, I'm a stan of him for sure. Um, But two, something pretty interesting to know about uh, Alden is that he was discovered by none other than uh, Steven Spielberg. And he was actually discovered by him because Spielberg saw him in a video at a friend's bar mitzvah where he was wearing some kimono or something, something weird. And uh, he thought that Alden was hilarious and thought he would be the next great comedic actor, Um, which obviously did not happen. Um, So sad sad for Alden. Um, The other kind of random thing that I can tell you about Alden is that I once saw him when I was picking up a salad on my way to the Hollywood Bowl about six months after he uh, had the bomb that was uh, solo, and uh, he just looked really sad. So, poor Alden. All right, women don't belong in balloons. Crunch, crunch. So, like, when you saw Alden looking sad about solo while holding a salad, is that when you decided to stand? Like, this well, reminds me. This reminds me of that tweet from the other day from at S. Coog, and it says, the MF really said I'm going to be in a million movies, but absolutely refused to be famous. And it's just three <laughs> pictures of Patrick, Patrick Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> and then Patrick Wilson retweeted it and was like, damn, like you got me or something. But it's just, it's just fun. It's, just fun. it's unlikely standing is funny. Mm-hmm. He really caught a moment. I'm going to quote Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, in an interview with Rolling Stone, he's talking about, it, excuse me, caller, it was a bot mitzvah, not a bar mitzvah, so oh, check rude. your facts. It was actually my bot mitzvah, <laughs> just kidding. Didn't you get mercury poisoning at your bot mitzvah or a different No, party? at my graduation okay, party. I've, I've confused these events before. That's not a story before. for this pod. <laughs> <laughs> I've confused these stories before, I think. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. <laughs> Okay. okay, that's okay. for the Patreon, and okay. I think I already told it. <laughs> okay, Rolling Stone says he was just 14. He made uh, just a video for his... It was his friend's bat mitzvah, so he made a video. The video played. Oh, yeah, that was a classic bar and bat mitzvah thing where you got up and you performed or whatever. 
Steven Spielberg's daughter, Sasha, Sasha, knew the girl who was having her bat mitzvah. So Steven Spielberg came as well. Alden Ehrenreich says, it's a piece of shit talking about the video. It's a video that this girl asked us to do. I mean, there wasn't a script. We would just go film whatever made us laugh. I'm this 14-year-old skinny little kid with long hair. I break into her house. I try on her clothes. I make up a song. All of this literally just taking a camera going like, okay, haha, do this. We showed it to our parents. We're going to play this at her bat mitzvah. And they were like, you'll look like an idiot in this. I don't think you should do that. We didn't care. Spielberg was impressed with Ehrenreich's performance and gave him a meeting at DreamWorks. That's wild. Then he introduced him to Francis Ford Coppola, who gave him his first big break in that movie, Tetro. That's crazy. That is crazy. Fun related fun related fact, I saw Theo Spielberg on Hinge and I did a swipe right. That's the good way, right? Yeah. The, I, Theo I was like, Spielberg. Hey. But I recognized him immediately and I was like, I'm the only one who's out here being like, that's Theo, that's Theo Spielberg. Anyways, he's cute. Isn't he in a band? He's a DJ, but oh, like DJ. him in, but he, no, I think he was, mm, I, think I thought he, he like, was in a was, band with his sister. With, with he Sasha. was in a band with his sister and he also at one point was a DJ. Anyways, he's cute. Name a child of a famous actor who is not a DJ, at least for like a weekend. You well, know? that's why I'm like, that's why I'm thinking he was a DJ, but I might be mixing him up with another one. He definitely does music with his sister mm-hmm. or and separate from his sister. Anyways. Hey, Lindsay, Bobby. Very long time, very first time calling. Uh, just had to pause the episode when you guys were talking about Sutton Place. Uh, I actually live in Sutton Place. Um, it's very old money, although I am by no means old money. Uh, just your good old average person. Um, but it's like very historic townhouses. It's like very old, old, old money, like Vanderbilt style. Um, it's the type of place where like you see like Annette Benning going for runs. It's actually very fun to live over here. And... Uh, Secretly has the best view of the Macy's fireworks. Anyway, good form, Bella Thorne. Bye. The fireworks switch off between, so so some years, yes, the best view, and some years, right? Because doesn't it change? I don't, I think it might be, I think it may be permanently in the East River now. Because oh, interesting. Because uh, when I went to the fireworks, one, the one and only time I went to the fireworks in a, like 11 years of living here, and I was like, this is miserable. I got, I yeah. was like, I got there early with my idiot friends. And then when you get there early, guess what? Guess when you leave, you leave at like 4 a.m. because you can't get out of there. Right. But I think they're permanently in the East River now, which means Annette Benning has the best view. That's incredible for her. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. I feel like Annette Benning. we were just talking about her because she's in The Sopranos. We were doing an <laughs> episode for the Patreon and she comes up in a dream sequence and he goes, you bet Annette Benning." She shakes her head. Yes. <laughs> I like that we're making fun of this neighborhood and someone calls in hitting every single button where it's like we're not even every single button, just one good one saying like, actually, don't make fun of this neighborhood. Annette Benning goes on runs here. I'm immediately like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, yes, OK, I won't. And you're right. And how dare we? You know, like if that's where Annette Benning lives, <laughs> then. Lindsay, Bobby, thank you for covering Nisi Nash's marriage to Jessica Betts. It led me down a rabbit hole, which is I, too, am planning a very gay surprise wedding at the end of this month um, and trying to figure out, you know, what COVID-compliant type of uh, song are we going to have for our first dance, which will be the only dancing occurring. So uh, right now, the choices are at uh, at Jessica Betts' uh, song, the Catch Me one that he played. Um, We also have... uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac song in the mix of Songbird, uh, Stevie Nicks Crystal, 
And then, of course, uh, you know, a nice Mandy Moore only hope. Um, <laughs> I know you won't play this, but I thought, oh, and also uh, Sixpence None the Richer, there she goes. Um, yeah, I know you won't play this, but I really thought you want to know how much you inspired the choices to our wedding song. Okay, Leanne Goofy. Congratulations. Have you considered our theme song? <laughs> or just gay. play Eve. Or just play Eve. You know. Who's that like, who's girl? Who's that girl? Just the original, you know? I think that she's a very talented singer-songwriter, but it is funny that you're putting Jessica Betts up against Fleetwood Mac as like a... It's like, well, either or, and then sixpence none the richer. <laughs> Nisi's impact. Yes, Jessica Betts is the talent here, but as in the singer, but Nisi putting that on her Instagram Huge. story, I think is actually going to bump up those streams. I hope so. She deserves it. And congratulations. And thanks for doing it. COVID compliant caller. <laughs> um, speaking of music, speaking of music, this I think will go down as a top call of all time. When but you to have play. to explain like what it is. Or no. Let's let the listeners figure out what's happening here because okay. I want them to go through the same experience both of us did because I heard this, had a little mini breakdown, sent it to Lindsay, who I think went through the exact same thought process. It took I me a did. second. Because it, it takes a, a little bit to figure out what's going on here. Okay, listen, play it. listen. Speaking of music. Well, I figured I'd make it big. Just try to forget about the things you did. Baby, it's harder than it looks. Making all this money and dodging crooks. I bought the kind of big house you used to hate. Got property and dogs and a privacy gate. Everything is easy, everything is fun. If life is a lottery, well, honey, I won. Do you see me on TV? Do you remember how things used to be? Well, I know things have changed, but if you call me now, hell, you know just what I'd say. I got lost in my backyard, spent too long staring at the stars, trying to pretend I can get a view with my fancy cars and expensive shoes. What have I got to do to get you out of my head? And into my arms or into my bed. Crunch, crunch. That is like, actually upon like third listen, it gets better. Like if Kane Brown doesn't like buy this song, like somehow figure out how to buy the rights to this song and release it. Truly. And it's if anyone, crazy. if any of y'all down there in Nashville Have any want to be connected to this caller, let me know and I will set the two of you up. We've, that's happened before. We've gotten a call that was like, hey, I think I can offer this one caller a job. Can you connect me so I can get their resume? And we did it. And it was tight. And I think they got an interview. I'm not sure if they got the job. but I think know. they got an interview. The uh, What's so great about that interpretation of Kane Brown's concept of lost in my own backyard <laughs> is that she turned it into like like a missing you a love thing. song yeah like a love song like he's like fuck you i'm buying a big house and then i got i was so in love with you that i got distracted by the stars and i got lost oh. in my backyard wow like it's a beautiful fuck. song that was gorgeous you should be on that tv show the songwriter tv show oh the one with shane McAnally, who's on my shit list yeah, yeah. i know i know he is <laughs> He was not things coming t- off that shit list. Really, things have changed. T- the tides have turned. But uh, I think that was so 
so good. And yeah, I, that was really great. And we have high standards for that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Just really good. I don't even I don't even have anything like silly to say. That was even phenomenal. the music of it, the musicality of it was interesting and good. This is a Kane Brown song. It's also sort of Kane Brown fan fiction. The way that like they insert the narrative of Kane Brown's wife not wanting a big house. <laughs> oh my god, it's true. It's okay, true. that's lovely. Okay, we can move on to questions. Holy gorgeous, shit! Gorgeous, I'm just gorgeous. I'm really just blown away by that. Oh, I know. Talent, you play it again. Talent. We can you play it again at the end of the episode? Too? Yeah, I'll play it again at the end. Of the, if you want to hear it again, we'll play it at the end of the episode. Okay. Oh my god. I mean, you can also rewind. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> But like you don't have this to. Is, we'll play this again. is digital. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to questions. It was like seventy something degrees a couple of days ago. It's time to put our winter weather to bed, or in my Pull case, under out the bed. Your linens, sweeties. The lin. It's time. It's linen season, honey. Oh, oh, all I want is linen all the time. I just want to be draped in linen for my entire life. Not only am I pulling out my linen tops my linen bottoms my linen dresses i'm putting on my linen sheets i'm putting on my linen pillowcases i'm just like everything is linen because the weather's getting warmer so it's time to say goodbye to jackets sweaters and hello to shorts tees and linen i know i should probably buy some linen shorts from quince i have a quince cotton duvet cover that i really like and it's warm it's it's warm in the cold months and it's cool in the warm months which is sort of where i want my bedding to be somewhere Mm -hmm. in the middle you and know. you can get premium European linen from blouses, shorts, dresses from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And you get it for a good price because Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, they cut out the cost of the middlemen and pass the savings on to I you. I hate middlemen. I hate and middlemen. only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. We love it. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash who for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash who to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash who. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. What's going on with uh, David Blaine and the balloon thing? Also, is he a them? Okay, magicians don't belong in balloons. <laughs> this magician certainly went in a balloon up style, Pixar up style, not not the aeronaut style, which is iconic because that was actually safer. That would be a safer option for him, uh, even though it's not a safe option for anyone. I didn't really hear anyone talking about it at the time, but apparently it broke like YouTube records. Like people were seriously watching this special live. Like it was a three hour long YouTube exclusive live stream special it was the most watched youtube originals live event ever but also well, that's saying that doesn't, that what's doesn't that mean... saying how many youtube original exactly live events? they got good press out of this because i think it could be misconstrued as the most watched live event ever on youtube but it wasn't it was just the most watched live event on youtube under the youtube originals umbrella yeah and also the other thing that was kind of interesting about it is that it was supposed to be in new york but due to weather they changed it to arizona which like is kind of it's not cheating because he still did it but it's also like landing in new york is a lot more complicated than landing just like in a desert you Mm -hmm. know because Mm -hmm. what ended up what he did was they they strapped him to a bunch of balloons he floated up and then he parachuted down which like is no small feat but it is definitely just like i would say what he did last time was more intense like what's the illusion there's no illusion you're not a magician you're an illusionist but this isn't even an illusion 
Right, but this and the scariest had nothing to do with how because I thought it was like oh he could fall, but it actually had more to do with how high he went because they didn't know how high he could go. Like they didn't know because basically like you go higher and you lose oxygen, oxygen. and you could get fucked up, and so like they didn't really know how high he would go with these balloons because it was not really controlled, and then he parachuted down. But I think he wasn't he he reached twenty four. Thousand nine hundred feet, about four point seven miles before parachuting safely to the ground. Believed to be the highest anyone has ever flown via cluster ballooning. Well, who else is fucking doing this? <laughs> of course it is. Okay. He's so lame. He's so lame. I'm so mad at this. Um. Anyway, that's what happened. I just thought we needed to give an update since we talked about it. Ugh. He sucks. <laughs> this call we received on August thirty first. Guys, you can't complain about us not coming to ideas. What I called two weeks ago and said to look at Diedrich Bader's Instagram, did you do it? Go do it. <laughs> did you Did you go did back you and do find it? Do it. Did you go back and find the original call? The call, yeah. The call sort of broke up at the beginning, but they were saying that, like, you complained about us not calling with original questions, and yet, True. do you remember? So I f- Googled the person's, I you can, the way you can search in Google Voice is like, I, My phone I, number. I searched the person's phone number, and sure enough, they called a few weeks prior on August 5th with uh-huh. this. I do like you holding us accountable. Hey, Lindsay and Bobby, it's Alex. Very long time, extremely long time. Um, I just need everyone to go to Instagram right now and look up the Instagram account of one Diedrich Bader. Um, he's a character actor. You would recognize his face if you Googled him. He's been in um, the Drew Carey show and uh, Napoleon Dynamite. He's got a very deep voice. Uh, his Instagram is crazy, and I almost don't want to spoil it. I just want you to, like, look it up for yourself. And just have the experience. Almost just let it wash over you. It's it's a good time. You're going to enjoy it. That's all I needed to say. He's a who. Like, you don't even need to debate it. He's a who. That's just, that's what it is. Um, Scar Jo, her wedding is canceled. Goodbye. That was a twist. Thank you so much for calling us back to say, how dare you ask for good calls when I gave you one that you didn't play. Which, fair. Because when we went to the Instagram, you were right. It's just a full, delightful experience. It's not unexpected in a bad way. It's unexpected in a, oh, nice way. In a nice you know? way. In a so nice way. So can you reveal way. reveal what it is or tell us what it is? So Diedrich Bader, who is, as the caller said, um, iconic character actor. Yeah, I guess iconic just because Diedrich is in mm, one sure. million things. I guess iconic. I don't know. That's using iconic a little office bit. Office Space, to yeah. Veep, to Better Things, as Lindsay said. Love him in Better just, Things. I mean, look at to um, Bojack Horseman. Just look at his IMDb. It's one of those IMDb's that just like goes on and on and on and on. Anyway, his Instagram is exclusively photos of flowers in his garden. In his Aww. garden. He Aww. has this like enormous, beautiful backyard garden. It's a little unclear because they're very like macro lensy, like they're close up. And you can sometimes see the house and the, the extent of the land. But it looks like he has like an actual humongous garden filled with flowers that he has cultivated. I mean, he has so many different types of flowers. Like it's not just like the same flower. It's like very much amazing varietals, like so many varietals. It's not just daisies, daisies, daisies. God. 
Eve, you look through and it's like, what are these? And he names them sometimes, uh, but usually it's the commenters who were like, they oh, well, that's, a, that's a something something. That's so nice. Sometimes he'll say, just, just taking a walk in my garden. My daughter took this one, but usually they're just captionless and he just Aww. lets us bask in the beauty of, you know, flowers. Nice. It's a good it's use nice. of Instagram for a celebrity because it's like you're not getting caught up anything. You don't have to, there's no, you have your thing, you do your thing. There's no, you don't have to promote anything. Fine. Here are no. just a bunch of flowers. Just take a photo of your flowers. I was also Googling for instances of him talking about gardening and I saw this reply guy, Diedrich Bader. Padma Lakshmi tweeted on March 4th, like remember March 4th? Imagine tweeting this before the pandemic. Um, right, March 4th. Like, do you even know what's to come? What are some things you do to preserve your mental health? An inquiring mind, me, wants to know. Diedrich responded, gardening. <laughs> Little did they know. It's so funny that Padma was like, I need to preserve my mental hey, health on March 4th. It's like, <laughs> do you ever? Someone I saw a tweet referring to today as March 185th. And I was no. like, oh my God. <laughs> That is so <laughs> I was like, holy yeah. shit. Okay, next call. Speaking of delightful calls, this is a delightful episode, I think. Okay. It is so far. So I, I found out today that Gabare Sidibe's um, boyfriend works at Cameo, but Gabare Sidibe is, herself is not on Cameo, but her cat, Aaron, is, which is wild. Um, and only one of her cats. I think she has two now. Anyway... Obviously, I think everyone involved in this is a who. Discuss. Stay inside. Bye. Stay inside as a sign-off is funny. The pause there was as though the caller was trying to think of a clever way of saying stay inside and then decided, like, <laughs> fuck it. Stay inside. <laughs> yes, to answer your questions at random, Gabrielle Sidibe is a who, I would say. I agree with that. I would say totally that the boyfriend is not even a who because he's a nah, he's not anyone. Right, we don't know him, but I will say my my brother had on the TV American Horror Story Coven and Gabrielle mm-hmm. Sidibe. That was like kind of like peak her moment Queenie, jump off, Queenie. right? Like that was like a big moment for her, and then people were like, "What will she do next?" And then kind of like it didn't. Empire. Oh yeah, Empire. She also right after Precious, she did. Um, she was on Nurse Jackie for a few seasons, so right. like she's been working consistently. But like, because um, Empire was her big thing, what's going to be after Empire? Then she wrote her book, you know, her memoir, which yeah. I'm sure she's going to write more, which people loved. I revisited her, you know, the the New York Times thing they do that buy the book, yeah, where the, they interview the authors and they just yeah. ask them a series of questions, whatever. And they're usually very fun to read because I think they're done over email, so the writers get a chance to actually like write out their responses. Anyway, one of the questions, she talks about everything she's been reading. It's very, it's very interesting, whatever. But then one of the questions is, what book do you wish, I think this is from 2017, what book do you think the president should be reading right now? And she just said, the president can't read. And then they moved on to the next one. <laughs> she's very funny. Um, there's always like some funny shit. So in her cat does cameos because her boyfriend works at Cameo and was like, please do something. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I think the caller saying the boyfriend works at Cameo is the reason this is happening. And Gabby does have two cats, like the caller said. The cat that is on Cameo, their name is Sir Aaron Purr. I assume it's a, a reference to Sir Aaron Burr. And it's currently not accepting Cameos, but was as recently as July 29th. So maybe like whenever Gabby's feeling it, she'll come back and do Aaron Purr things. She basically gives the cat a voice it's like you call and it's like, hey, will you wish my friend a birthday via the cat? And the cat will say things like this. Hi, this message is for Olivia from Chris. Are you named after 
Seeley's Daughter in the color purple because that's my favorite movie. Anyway, Olivia, I hear it's your human's birthday and you need advice on what to get him. Have you considered getting him a dead bird? It's funny that since we first mentioned Cameo about 4,000 years ago, you know, like where we were kind of like LMAO mm -hmm. this thing, it really became like part of celebrity culture in quite a mainstream way, you know, that you can like mm -hmm. buy these things. And like, it's still a lot of, it's still a lot of who's on there, you know, and then oh, them yeah, will sign sure. up for charity, which is like nice for them. Yeah. And I think Gabby is made mention of a charity on it. So she was doing this for charity. And it's so. also a platform that's like made for notable people who have followings. Like mm -hmm. that's what it's built for. So like the products that they're using and the service that they're using and the money that they're paying out, whatever, whatever is like, it knows what it wants to be in that way. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm scrolling through the cameo homepage. Yeah. What's new? Surprising faces. And they're also surprisingly inexpensive. Miss Juicy is on here. Guess how much Miss Juicy is? $55. 65. Uh, that seemed, I thought she'd be over 100. I'm pretty close. Rufus though. Wainwright. Rufus Wainwright. How much is Rufus Wainwright? First of all, can you believe Rufus Wainwright is on Cameo? Is he on, of well, all you kind of got to click it to see if it's for charity. They get a lot of people by saying, do, do a charity thing, do a charity split, especially right now. Doesn't say anything about charity. Oh, for no. Rufus okay, Wainwright. $200. $200. Lindsay, he's only 75 bucks. Oh, that's very cheap. Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway is more expensive than either of those two people. He's $100. I always forget to scroll through here, but there are a lot of new faces. New faces. But it's, cr it's crazy to me that they used to be, that they used to, this used to be something they would like beg people to sign up for to do. And now it's like overwhelming how many kind of, who's and some thems are like doing this like you can get chris hansen for 50 dollars. like that's a good gag whatever you know <laughs> you can get by ling for 50 dollars an even better dollars 99 cents i actually don't know what the chat function means but it seems a little intense yeah yeah i don't really need to chat with rufus wayne right i just need <laughs> right i just need him to sing beautiful child to someone on on cameo for their birthday and you know what's so funny the more people that sign up for cameo the more the market gets like they're cheaper so like somebody who's trying to like get picked over somebody else is gonna they're gonna tell you oh you're you know you're charging too much you're not that famous so somebody like you know carol baskin she's 300 dollars right now but you know that price is going down like just mm -hmm. give it time and another interesting thing that i'm noticing via scrolling is that impersonator culture is like a subcategory which is sort of funny like sure. there's a Marilyn Monroe impersonator. Uh -huh. There's a Robert De Niro impersonator. That's kind of funny. I don't really understand why you would do that. You know what we got to but... do? We'll do it soon. But let's do, we should do a cameo price guessing game, like a full out guessing game on price. Oh, because yeah, I think we're fine. at that time where some of these people. There's enough. Like guess Gary Busey right now. Can you guess Gary Busey? And, uh, 150. No. No, you're way low. Higher or you're lower? You're way low. Oh, I'm way low. 299. 350. Gary Busey, three fifty. We should do prices. I'm sorry, he's not more expensive than Rufus Wayne. We should do prices right rules. Like we should just legit do prices right rules and do guessing game. Mm -hmm. okay, okay, so let's move on for now. Next call. Gabby Sitterbay's cat is on Cameo, and her boyfriend Brandon Frankel is in strategic partnerships at Cameo. Good for him, we have he's, two contacts. He's doing a good job. We have two contacts in common. Next call. Hey Lindsay and Bobby. Um, 
I was just wondering if you saw that Nicole Byer is going to be hosting a five, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five night Emmys thing. So love Nicole Byer. I like honestly think she's great, but what do you have to say about that? Anyways, crunch, crunch, women's dumb long balloons or do you think? I don't know. This is so funny because it's like, Nicole Byer got rightfully nominated for her first Emmy for hosting for Nailed It, which she's extremely good on. And probably the only reason that show actually works. Let's be real. It's a fun show, <laughs> but, but she really makes it conceptually unsound. Like the show doesn't quite work. <laughs> I'm just saying like the absurdity of that show gets old quick, but it doesn't because she's able to like keep exactly. the genius alive. Anyways, they ask her to host these creative arts Emmys, which no one ever fucking watches. But because it's pandemic, maybe people will watch them. And because she's doing literally five nights of Five nights. (laughs) Five nights. Maybe like on Nailed It, where she turns like trash into treasure, she can also turn the creative art Emmys again, which nobody watches unless they're nominated for them into treasure. I don't even think they normally air the creative arts Emmys anywhere no but sometimes they air them on like fxx like some like some alt channel no i swear to god like they do it says here fxx too like they do sometimes air them i don't know if they're five nights i think they're doing a thing with her they do that thing during the actual emmys where it's like the host of the creative arts emmys that person will come to the emmys and be like hi i'm nicole byer last week i had the pleasure of hosting the creative arts emmys clip which uh, honor the true heroes of the of the Emmys, even though we do not put them on television. Yeah. So it's always like this like rude thing where it's like, these are actually the best people, even though we don't give a shit about right. them and no one knows right. their names. Right. And they're like, here are some great moments. And then they show the great moments and that's it. And, like, and Nicole ha, ha, Byer's ha. like, ha, ha. I'm doing this for five nights. There's going to be better than Jimmy Kimmel. Are you kidding? I don't want to watch Jimmy Kimmel do this again. Oh, you mean like Jimmy Kimmel hosting the actual show? <laughs> He's hosting the actual show. You're going to watch the actual now. show. You're going to watch the actual yeah, show. Yeah, I know. Although I will say after on. the VMAs being such a flop, I'm like not excited about award shows that are pre-taped or whatever they're going to do with this. It does not not make mm-hmm. it fun. But Nicole Byer like making fun slash embracing the creative art Emmys is definitely it's a great fit. She's a great host. I hope she wins the <sighs> yes. Emmy. I love her. I think she will. I think she. Well, I think she will. But this is my favorite. This is my favorite line. This is from. Um, oh yeah, her book just came out. What's it called? Hashtag very fat. Hashtag very brave. The fat girl's guide to being hashtag brave and not a dejected melancholy down in the dumps weeping fat girl in a bikini. <laughs> Has a great cover. Yeah. <laughs> Has a great cover. Let me tell you something. Okay, so the funniest part about this Hollywood Reporter story about this, which is like, can you believe it? Five nights of this. Um, is, <laughs> Even they can't believe is, it. And they are it. The, they are the only the people in the audience says, for it. <laughs> Yeah, it says, the ceremonies devoted to creative and technical achievements will take place between September 14th and 17th and September 19th. That's crazy. So it's like they're skipping a day? That's literally like Love Island US's schedule. They do every single day except for Wednesdays. Or <laughs> <laughs> I know because I'm watching currently. There's nothing else to watch. Can you name a single Creative Arts Emmy Award category? It's like best puppet. <laughs> Is it not? No, it's like sound mixing, prosthetic makeup. No, isn't sound mixing on the real one? They love sound mixing. They no, love it's it in, in the, the Creative Oscars. Arts Emmys. As okay. of last year, the 2019 they was last. They bumped it they, off the main show. <laughs> they also do guest actors and actresses. Wait, although... that's so lame. That's one of the best categories because you get real famous people on TV. It's like, oh, best best fake rain, best fake nose, whatever. I, these people are doing amazing work. The, the possibilities for Nicole Byer being like, 
openly rude and funny about a category like outstanding creative achievement in interactive media within a scripted program. <laughs> no, like it's it's must-see TV all of a sudden. It went from being not TV to must-see TV. And also last year, they were a two-night affair. They were a two-night affair, but this year they're five nights for some reason. <laughs> maybe they're shorter or something. Maybe. And maybe. maybe they're shorter because they're not like a live event. She's like, they're chopping them up and they're doing like bits you don't hire Nicole Byer unless you do bits, you know? Right, but right, she's obviously doing right. bits alone. She's on a stage alone. That's fine. Okay, I'm watching this. I'm excited. But Nicole Byer, what else? She is definitely a who, could easily be a them. But she's like one step away from like getting the thing that is the thing. Because I feel like she's like... Exactly. She's got a podcast. She's got the book. She's got the... Re- she's got to get the Emmy. She's like, I think mm-hmm. she's just like one a moment away from whatever. And also she'd be great on one of those fucking daytime talk shows. Not that she should do that because it's a pain in the ass, but it seems like a nightmare. Wouldn't she be incredible? Like put her on the view. Just kidding. That's a miserable job. (laughs) There are just a lot of young millennial women comedians and that's like a tough space to fill. And it's almost like I don't want her to compete with other people. Like it's all, it's (laughs) it's like she needs her own thing. Um, She was on Girl Code. She was on, she had her own show, Loosely Exactly Nicole, that was scripted. Girl Code was one of those like best week everything's except it was all women like commentating on like pop culture of the day or whatever. She's very funny in that. I remember Loosely Exactly The thing that endeared her to me. Yeah. The thing that endeared her to me was in the, at the 2016 mtv movie awards she did the red carpet pre-show she hosted it it was just a good introduction to her sense of humor i knew sort of who she was but i had never fully experienced her before and i fell in love with her during it her bit was she was she had like a fake glam room set up on the red carpet it was like clothes makeup a mirror and stuff and so she was like quote getting ready while interviewing celebrities <laughs> and they would like pick out her wig pick out her dress That's pick so out her funny. her makeup and she'd have chris pratt help her pick a dress or whatever and she was so funny i'll play a clip here she was just very hilarious hi i'm nicole byer i'm at the mtv movie awards i didn't have time to get ready so i'm gonna have some celebrities help me you guys what's gonna happen today and it's so funny because this is the MTV Movie Awards, the ones that truly no one watched. Like, you think the VMAs are <laughs> yeah. unwatchable? It's like, no one is out here watching these. But anyways, that's great. Next call. This is short, <laughs> but I still cannot believe it. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. Long time, long time. So I was just researching King Princess, the singer, and I'm on her Wikipedia, and I found something that makes no sense. So it says, Basically, in her lineage, her great-great-grandparents include Isidore Strauss, a U.S. congressman and co-owner of Macy's, and Ida Strauss, and they were from German-Jewish families who immigrated to the United States from the Kingdom of Bavaria and Rhineland-Palatine, or something like that. It says, the couple died in the sinking of the passenger ship Titanic. So... They died before they got here, yet one of them is a co-owner of Macy's and a U.S. congressman? I don't know. I'm so confused. If you could please research or, like, let me know what is going on with that family, that would be great. Crunch, crunch. Bye. Caller, the Strauss has already had kids and the kids weren't on the boat. Just because they died doesn't mean everyone underneath them in the family Maybe tree Maybe she dies. didn't know the like order of which like yeah, she thought they yeah. were going to like America to like start the, the family tree or, or continue yeah. the family tree. But you're right. If they're old, then they maybe already did that. <laughs> it's a funny call for that reason. I love that. I love the like late night thought process where you're like, I do not understand how this works. Like you're trying to do like an inception timeline. Like what, 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 what? King Princess has not come up 
Although I, she did come up once because she dated Amanda Stenberg, and we have talked about her a few times. But King Princess herself, who is a musician and who is quite good and gets a, a good, really good amount of attention, right? Like her first album got a lot of attention because what was the song? 1950. Yeah, it was yeah. a cute song. So away. It's a crazy origin story. I mean, what is there to say about... She's one of those artists where it's like, I definitely would call her a who. I would call King Princess a who. Yeah. But dating a Mandla is a thing. And I think within like a certain... Obviously, okay, like... Obviously, she's like a them within like gay subculture, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's like a hot like gay singer, a hot gender queer like singer. Yes, but her real name is not King Princess. King Princess. The origin of her name is a friend of mine used to call me that, and it just felt right. I wasn't fully formed into my gender queer self at the time and couldn't comprehend all the levels. But I am a King Princess. It's very in between and fluid. It's sort of like, why do you call yourself King Princess? And it's like, think about it for two seconds. Literally um, anyway, two seconds, but yeah. Um, anyway, her real name is is Michaela Strauss. S T R A U S. And if you recognize that name, it's because it's like kind of an iconic New York City name because the Strausses, the Strauss family, came to own. Macy's after the Macy family was like we don't want this anymore so the Strausses bought it and in the movie Titanic maybe the most iconic shot of Titanic that doesn't include Leonardo DiCaprio and probably the saddest moment of Titanic that is connected in any way to the real story of Titanic let's be real the rest is like you know faked yes (laughs) did you know that (laughs) the rest is fake yes like the 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 Irish mother being like the, in the land of Tiernanog, yeah. as like the kids die. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I don't even know what Tiernanog is. But this moment, this moment was is based one on of the truth. moments that is based on truth and is, tell you can say it. The Strauss couple who were on the ship, I think they were like in their 60s when this happened. Uh, Isidore and Rosalie Strauss, they were on the boat. Rosalie was offered a lifeboat. And whenever she found out that Isidore would not get one, they were like, fuck it, we're just going to die together. And all accounts say they went back to their stateroom. I mean, no one was in there at the time. But... The the thing about Titanic that actually blows my mind as I was reading about this last night was like the survivors clearly, I mean, you assume it's because it was such a traumatic event. The survivors wrote down everything like and they were they talked about it at length forever. And so it's probably of interest too. there are all these sections on like Titanic websites and like history.com and all these websites where it's like the person last seen. And it's like, oh, they were smoking a cigar in the smoking lounge. Oh, they were standing on the balcony holding a brandy. Like, everyone wrote the last time they saw Mr. Andrews, the last time they saw Captain Smith. Like, it's actually pretty wild. The no- the Noto people, the famous people. Wait, anyway. so you don't even say, but it's the scene where the, they died, the old couple, in like, died in the bed. And it's like the water yes. is, is right. I think I think in the movie they... They are a little bit older than six in their sixties. Yeah, they look I've, they look like they're in their eighties. The they movie, look like they're the elderly. 70s. But that's yeah. the that's the representation James Cameron made of that real life couple who happened yes. to be related to King Princess, which is truly not even that far back. The great great grandparents of King Princess, sort of wild. And she talks about it in a couple interviews. She's like, "I'm not rich. Like the money didn't get to me." <laughs> she says, "This quote is pretty iconic. They were very rich and Jewish, but I didn't inherit any of this money. It was a little frustrating, but whatever." <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, bitch, love it. But then great. this parenthetical, when I tell Strauss that as a Titanic buff, I recently visited her great-grandparents' grave, she says approvingly, that's hot. <laughs> what is this from? Oh, this is from Rolling Stone. That's okay, from Rolling cool. Stone. Love it. Anyway, that's, I mean, come on. I love finding a way to get Titanic work into the podcast. Also, she's a Mark Ronson artist, just like he yeah. found her or he signed her first. So that's interesting. Yeah. And there's a lot in the in one of the profiles, I think the New York Times profile about how her dad and Mark Ronson had already worked together in the past because her dad uh, works in uh, music engineering. Oh, OK. okay. Yeah. He yeah, owns up. He owns a studio. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. A Strauss. Right. And she's she kind of has one of those things where and I think this has been hap- this happens a lot for for queer artists where it's like your music gets identified as like queer and you're like I love it because I am but also like I'm pigeonholed but also like I love it but also like you kind of have like you get a sense whenever they talk about it it's like it's a blessing it's like, and relax. a curse mm-hmm. you know but it but it but it feels like restricting and yet empowering and I think that mm-hmm. that's something that she probably like experiences and I think I'm looking at it she yeah well, she, I mean, in that, pro, in that profile, she talks about how, like, not being straight prevents the straight men who are in charge from hitting on me, and that removes a layer of discomfort. However, it adds other layers of discomfort. <laughs> yeah. Like, it removes right. one thing, and then it, like, closes a door, opens a window, you know, that right, sort of right, thing. Right, 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 But it reminds right. me of... Um, I think right. it was this morning I saw a Perfume Genius tweet. I'm going to I'm gonna fuck I'm it gonna up. I'm just going to mention Perfume Genius. But it was something like, I could do a show and lie on the floor and sleep for two hours and a review would call it flamboyant. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, like yes, 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 yes. I saw that tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has this issue too where it's like, you know, it, like... Can you believe you're queer? <laughs> it's impossible for people to dissociate his music from him, his from identity. His identity, yeah. Which, like you said, is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. These are three quick questions. Just rapid fire questions. Okay. 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 See, I really love. Quick. I love how people are calling in with actual. Don't Google. Just call us. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Vet bills can be expensive, but Spot Pet Insurance can give you up to ninety percent cash back on vet bills, so you can worry less about high vet bills. Yep, up to ninety percent cash back on vet bills for unexpected accidents, illness, and even routine care. And with Spot Pet Insurance plans, you can go to any vet you want in the U.S. or Canada. There's no network you need to stick to. So visit your favorite vet and you can save money on expensive vet bills. That's Spot Pet Insurance. It's no wonder Spot is America's favorite pet insurance. Visit SpotPet.com for a free quote today. For all terms, visit SpotPetInst.com sample-policy. Spot Pet Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produce Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This is an independent ad from Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Jordan Sparks had a baby? Yes, in 2018. May 2018. Next call. <laughs> Hello. Um, has anyone ever heard Brad Falchuk speak? The answer is yes, and now you can. My name's Brad Falchuk, and I am a television writer, producer, director. Now you've heard Brad Falchuk speak. Next call. Hey, Lindsay Bobby. I'm watching Maluma win a VMA. Should I know who this is? Crunch, crunch. Yes. The answer is yes. (laughs) Yes. You should do the work, but yes. Okay. This one. Hi. Long time, long time. This is a fully deranged message. It's 12.48 a.m. But I just got a recommended ad on Amazon for a dog food by the brand Chicken Soup for the Soul. The book people? French, French. I don't know why I put this in here, Lindsay, and I apologize in advance, and I might even cut it. But 
you have to admit, there's something like particularly bizarre about Chicken Soup for the Soul re-emerging in, I don't know, the past few years as a dog slash cat food company, right? And it's straight up called Chicken Soup for the Soul Pet Food. <laughs> well, when you were trying to explain this to me over text, which I, by the way, did not really like understand or really like was able to communicate about, but you were like, <laughs> you were like, <laughs> you were like, they made a movie, they make books, and then they make dog food. And that's it. Because I'd understand if it was like truly an empire. I'm like, oh, they're out here making like toys and they're making like whatever, whatever. But it's like, no, they like they make books, a movie, <laughs> a videos and Television dog series, food yeah. Yeah, yeah. and dog food. And also like, why am I trusting these book people to make dog food? Exactly. <laughs> That's my number one question. <laughs> Okay, so there were these two motivational speakers who released some a series of books that became wildly popular in the 90s. And it was like, chicken soup for the soul, chicken soup for the Christian soul, chicken soup for the, like, blank soul, chicken soup for the athlete soul. like For the golf lover's soul, chicken soup for the teenager's soul. Throw yeah. a rock, hit a soul they can make chicken soup for. And so it was like, oh my God, they were everywhere. My mom had a million of them. It's very much like the Four Dummies series, but short stories. Yeah, my mom had, like, a little stack of them in the bathroom downstairs because they were really they were just really short stories they were really you know they were just a collection of yeah. short stories about a topic yeah uplifting quotes they were then they're yeah. little tiny books anyway yeah. so i guess the books never really stopped selling and so they always like were doing well, well they're kind of like graduation gifts forever of all time like you can't yeah. go wrong yeah yeah and so it really is a good way to prove you don't know somebody that well because you're like oh they like golf you know or whatever mm-hmm they pivoted to video in 2013, which I guess makes sense because it's like inspirational programming for like kind of like budget production houses like Alcon Entertainment. But then out of nowhere, at the end of this thing, it just says the company has branched out into other categories such as food, pet food and television programming. And I was like, food? So I've, the only instance I could see on this was like from time in 2012, but I couldn't actually see, I couldn't find the food. I, may, I feel like maybe this was a failed venture because I couldn't find proof that this food was ever made. But in 2012, they were written, we can't believe it took this long. Capitalizing on the success of its self-help books, the Chicken Soup for the Soul brand is going to launch a line of actual comfort food, including casseroles, pot pies, gravies, and soups. That makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. But then you move into pet souls and things get a little muddy. Well, you don't have a dog, so luckily you don't need to think about that. <laughs> they make cat food. Oh, well, I guess you got to buy some and try it. <laughs> it's also funny because it's like, do you believe pets have souls? Do you believe animals have souls? Like, this is kind of all about that. <laughs> okay, let's this move on. This is wild. Let's move on. Anyway, thanks for calling. I'm probably going to cut that, but it's just crazy. Hi, the Weekly. Long time, long time. There's a new song on the radio with this in the background that's from like a 2000s R&B song so it finally came to me the name of the song is I Don't Want to Know so I asked Siri to play it and it came up I was like it's definitely not going to know what song I'm talking about whatever it came up right away Mario Wyman is the name of the artist I totally remember that but what I need you to tell me is is it the same Mario as you should let me love you Mario I don't think it is um did Mario Wynan's career get thwarted by mononymous Mario please discuss good form crunch crunch etc did Mario Wynan's career get thwarted by mononymous Mario's career <laughs> <laughs> 
No. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so. But I do know. I did forget that he, that Mario Winans was on I Need a Girl Part 1 and Part 2 and Part 3. <laughs> I need a girl to be my wife. I need a girl who's mine. Oh, you know that part of that song? Yes. That's a great song. How could I not know that song? And especially with your wonderful rendition of it, it came right back to my head. Girl, what the hell is on your mind? Yeah. I can be done, but I'm not blind. Come on. There's something leaking in your mind. Mara Winans also hit number one with a song called I Don't Want to Know, which sampled Enya, which I can't even think of in my head, but I must know it. It hit number one in the UK. Well, the thing that blows my mind about both Mario Winans and Mario is that Mario Winans' number one song, which was his first single, I Don't Want to Know, samples Ready or Not by the Fugees and, and uh, Bodicea by Enya. Yeah, that's amazing. But also the real thing is like, it really just samples Enya because the Ready or Not song samples Enya initially. Anyway, here's like the original Enya, then the Ready or Not, and then Mario Winans, all three in a row. like listening to all of those samples in order like the progression sounds like i'm watching like an evolutionary chart by the end i'm standing upright but what i'm getting at and i promise i have a point is that both marios were introduced to the world with songs that contained samples of extremely popular songs that came before them mario mononymous mario never forget remember remember his first number one song his first hit song his first single just no. a friend just a friend 2000 shut up that's like mario a cover. Like and a cover. that samples covers ish it's a I would I would it blurs the line between cover and sample because it's like a new song that samples that as the chorus. I don't know what you would call that actually, but they it's both not reference. A, I don't know if it's songs. a sample anymore. Mm, you're right. No, it is a sample, not a cover. Because, because it's he's not, it's all new verses. Yeah. It's all new lyrics. Because I remember yeah. Mario was much younger, so Mario Winans hit the scene whenever he was already like in his twenties. Right, because I was gonna say Mario Winans was like grown, and Mar- Mario was kind of a baby. Mm hmm. Interesting. But Mario stood the me, test of time. Me. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I can't think of Mario without thinking. Wop up wop. Oh, you should let me love you. Let me be the one to give you everything you want and need. Oh, baby, good love ever take. Also, never forget Mario was in the live televised version of, of Flop Rent. Remember Flop Rent with Tanasha? He, Mario is in that. He's the Tay Diggs role. He's the he's the Benny, the the landlord. Oh, you're right. Sure, because we you're you were there. Right. We watched that. I enjoyed oh, that. Yeah, you'd never seen, to... you'd never heard or seen Rent before. Anyway, so Mario, but Mario's still releasing music. Mario's still around. Mario Winans don't know where he went, but he's not doing this. The last thing I saw from Mario Winans was that TMZ posted a member them for Mario Winans. I can't tell. Did you click this? I'm part. Part of me was like, is this? 
a typo or are they actually being nasty? There's a photo of Mario Winans from the video from I Don't Want to Know, shirtless, like looking like early 2000s sexy, like looking up to the camera, pained singing. And it says Mario Winans gained fame for his smooth vocals and shirtless music video for his single, I Don't Want to Know. And then you click and it says, remember them? Mario Winans, now 45 years old, was spotted on social media looking bad. Looking and it's like bad? The, it's the just the most adorable photo of a man looking sitting in the pa- in the driver's seat of his car, looking bad. So I'm like looking bald, but he was bald then too. So I don't know if that's a typo or what. Wait, fun fact: Just a Friend, the Mario version, was called Just a Friend 2002. Like it. That's oh, I the called name it Just a song. Friend 2000. Whoops. Like remember, I'm sorry, 2004. Like the the by um, what's his face from American Idol? It had the year in the title, so Just a Friend 2002 was the he changed the plot of the song but used the chorus of it and released it in 2002 so yeah anyways they're calling it interpolation sorry we're going back between mario's which is confusing i realize (laughs) but i don't think that there's really any overlap it's also completely different music it's a completely different music style i do find it strange that there were two important marios in pop culture around the same time also mario no last name could never be let me love you so it's kind of a lost cause because that song is that song is like peak to me you know what let's not do a game of who them let's just end the episode here we'll play who them next week it's more fun if it's special um thank you for listening to another episode of who's there who weekly we love when you call in and ask fun questions we just thought this was a delightful episode i feel delighted by what we talked about today delighted it was a very like posy inspiring you could say it was chicken soup for the podcast lover's soul. Now you have to leave the segment in. Thank you. I know I was going to cut it. Now I can't. Thank <laughs> you for listening. Call in at 619-WHO-THEM to leave questions, comments, and concerns. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love that shit. Support us on patreon.com slash weekly for bonus episodes. And have a great weekend. And happy. Be safe this Labor Day. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Bye. Bye. I'm losing my mind. I'm driving down the road in St. Louis right now, and the car ahead of me has a license plate that says B-O-J-O-J-O. Bo-Jo-Jo! Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. It's Frank. Um, Long time, long time. So, in the interests of the original uh, Who's There content that you asked for, um, so I was listening to this other one of my other favorite podcasts, um, uh, beside Oscar Bus. And it's not really relevant with the movie was or anything. Um, they were talking about a, um, another movie, the movie, the episode was on, uh, and it, um, had an introducing credit on the poster, which got me to thinking, I mean, it's not really a question, I mean, who, the who's and them's of billing, because, you know, first billing and first, and then I guess the and credit is second, and then the with. But, and, but I was thinking, like, the introducing is, like, literally the who's, because, first of all, who are you introducing? You're introducing them because we don't know who they are. But second also, because, like, it's rare, and but like introducing when you're introducing someone, like they almost never end up being worth the introduction. 
if you know you know what I mean. Like they're they're like perpetually who's because I mean to, I guess they're trying to make them a big deal, but they almost it almost never works. And like I guess that's why it's kind of rare because why even bother? Just give them a regular credit lower down or whatever. I don't know. I just thought that might be something you could talk about if you could think of any times when introducing has been used and actually went on to become like even a even a <laughs> little owner of them. I don't know. I thought that might be something you might want to talk about. Okay, well then bad form, Bella Thorne. Um crunch crunch. Women do belong in balloons. Bye. Hi. I know that this is not a seagull podcast, but I need y'all to know that I used to work at Magic Kingdom, and seagulls are a huge problem there. Uh, And once I witnessed a seagull swoop down and steal a pretzel out of a girl's hand, uh, another time a friend of mine... Uh, who worked in food and beverage, had a little girl come up and say, like, through tears, ma'am, a seagull stole my ice cream. And I totally believe it. They're savage. There used to be a machine on the top of It's a Small World um, that made, like, these weird squawking noises and, like, uh, makes, uh, like, hawk calls and things like that to scare the seagulls away. And I don't know, last couple times I went, like, pre-pandemic, there was a lot less seagulls. And so I'm really wondering what they've been doing to cut down on that business. All right. Me endorsed. Well, I figured I'd make it big. Just try to forget about the things you did. Baby, it's harder than it looks. Making all this money and dodging crooks. I bought the kind of big house he used to hate. Got property and dogs and a privacy gate. Everything is easy. Everything is fun. If life is a lottery, well, honey, I won. Do you see me on TV? Do you remember how things used to be? Well, I know things have changed, but if you call me now, hell, you know just what I'd say. I got lost in my backyard, spent too long staring at the stars, trying to pretend I can get a view with my fancy cars and expensive shoes. What have I got to do to get you out of my head? And into my arms or into my bed. Crunch, crunch.